all this time. I probably should have. I was way more fun on Saturday than I normally am. Ray can attest to that. So Saturday, got to talk about this for a minute. We had our rock and raffle. Uh, it was a night of mostly comedy. Uh, everyone kind of bailed out after the comedians left and uh, no one really stayed for the bands. And, you know, assholes like Dre bailed out before Scott even got to play. I have an explanation. Whatever. Uh, so, but the comedy was really great. We were trying to record everything because we wanted to release a comedy album. But again, technical difficulties hit us. We're to the point now where I am slowly just going to start buying all the things I need to do this on my own so that I can set up like an outdoor comedy event somewhere with my own speakers and my own soundboard (laughs) and my own cameras. We're just going to fucking do this so I have something to sell. Um, Basically, uh, our equipment didn't mesh with the local equipment at the, the show, and it was either we cut the mics or we cut Scott's recording. So that sucked. Um, but I have some workarounds. We're going to get this done as soon as Aaron stops making noise over there. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I have missed you guys the last couple of weeks. What's up, Carl? How's it going? It's great to see comments are working this time. They haven't been working the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, I went back to work this week and today my dumbass forgot to take my muscle relaxers with me and long about two o'clock in the afternoon i was laying with my head on my desk crying and uh someone came over and gave me like a leave <laughs> kind of helped uh but yeah uh i'm just gonna have to make sure that i don't do that again uh, i think i've killed enough time uh dre take us away perfect you realize that i just finally got done what i needed to do okay so I applied for a job today and um, Alex came over for lunch and actually asked for a little bit of advice. So when your adult children do that, uh, you really got to take it as a huge compliment, even if it turns into like a yelling thing. But I mean, regardless of what happens with me now, there's going to be raised voices. So that's just uh, how it goes with mothers and daughters, especially in Italian families. So, um, Erin. Erin has a new addition to her family. I do. My grandson um, joined us recently. Congratulations. The Wednesday Wednesday before Thanksgiving, and he's doing great. Awesome. Good to hear. He's home, happy, healthy with mom. Gained weight. Like, you know how most infants right after birth will lose some weight, and then they gain some back. He never lost any weight. He has consistently awesome. gained and consistently grown. And um, I mean, which is awesome for me, but not for my daughter because he wants to eat all the time because he's in this perpetual growth spurt. But um, I think it's great. Yeah, that's awesome. Up and onwards. Absolutely for a little guy. Oh, I'm bleeding. Whatever. So what the hell? What'd you do? I don't know. Something broke. I picked something. Who knows? Anyway. <laughs> hey, Nick. Uh, a good friend, Mr. Moresco, is watching. I don't think he usually Hi, Nick. Love you. Haven't talked to you forever. We got to catch up. So uh, I will go ahead and uh, welcome our guest, Mr. Chris Thrasher. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you tonight? I am well. Thank you for having me. Hey, Chris. Hello, hello. Oh, yeah. So that's a cue. I can go and start drinking now, too. Excellent. Absolutely. <laughs> what are you drinking tonight, Chris? Uh, so I've got a Manhattan with some rye whiskey. And then we'll we'll uh, 
start turning up the shots as the as time goes on. So, oh boy, what goes into Manhattan? Say again. What goes into Manhattan? Uh, well, the important part is the, is the shit ton of rye whiskey. Uh, so vermouth, uh, lemon peel. What else? I think there's a cherry involved. Yeah, it's good stuff. Bitters. It's actually I, I bitters as well. So thank you. I I think I'm trying to think of. There's a couple libertarians I can think of that this is their drink of choice. I think Judge Jim Gray is one of them, actually. So there you go. That's I feel like I'm in good company for, with that. But, uh, well, I am definitely jealous. I just bought two bottles of whiskey that I couldn't wait to consume. Uh, uh, just sipping like a, an adult would. Apparently, my body is turning into a big, giant fucking pussy. I was sipping. I probably had an ounce and a half the other night. I woke up the next day. I had a glass of tea, and then I threw up. So, yeah, I can't. And then oh, I, I threw up, and I was nowhere near drunk. So, yeah. Fuck me. And hard on God. <laughs> Beer works. Beer works. But, I, no, uh, thanks again, thanks again I'm for chocolate milk. How does that? Is that? I would definitely throw up if I drank chocolate milk. I'm also I'm thinking about doing this because Elfie's not watching this episode. Oh, do it! What is it? Highland Scotch. Mm. Sorry, Highland whiskey. Sorry, Highland whiskey. Do it. So I was tempted, and I'm going to save it um, for an upcoming show. But I have a bottle of THC infused Everclear calling my name. Holy shit! <laughs> Marijuana moonshine. Wow. Well, we had that in Nola, right? Well, we had moonshine in Nola, but we didn't have marijuana moonshine. Um, oh, the, see. Yeah, that was that was good moonshine, though. God, it was. You just have a sip and be like, "Damn!" And then the next sip, it just started going down very, very, very easily. That was um, courtesy of our fine friends and fellow amazing activists in Mississippi. Thanks. Thank you. Rock on, Mississippi LP. Hell yeah, that was amazing. Bring it so, next. Bring it to Austin, please. Carl's making fun of me talking about White Claw. Uh, I've heard of that. What is White Claw? <laughs> like I, I get it's so probably strange. a chick drink. So, dude, it's it's like it's like millennials' oh. version of Zima. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> okay. um, water with booze in it. So there's no there's no carbs, there's no calories, but it's like yeah, it's like sparkling water with booze. Yeah, it's lightly alcohol, like light, lightly alcoholic seltzer, like New York yeah. seltzer with a little bit of vodka. That sounds fucking gross. How would why would anyone drink that? I, they're not bad. It's so, I've had them. They're disgusting. My I've had. Uh, I tried well, one. I want to go back to Wired and have that uh, lemonade thing that they gave me. That was good. There used to be this bar right out the back gate at at Edgewood Arsenal. Um, that had this drink. They called it a gator, and it tastes like a blue snow cone. Holy hell! It was. I used to drink those things by the fucking pitcher. Yum. They have this place down by the down by the river, literally on the river. Well, it used to be on the river. It's Is it in a van? No, it was you know where you could pull up your boat if you had one. But they also would have bands and stuff, so people would go to the bar. Zach, what's this place called? I can't remember. But they had the watermelons. Ooh, you okay? So that you know, sounds good. Like a uh, convenience store in the eighties, and they had those big square clear machines that had the juiced drinks of different flavors circulating. Yeah, oh, the slurpy like things. The icies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have that, but it, where there's no icy involved, and it's watermelon flavored. And they had giant ones, and that's all anybody really ever got down there. You have one or two, and you're good to go. What was that called? Now it's down by Fun 
Oh God, like you know. Um, Wait, what? What kind of? It's a restaurant. It's like a bar with a marina. The the, the bar down, that used to be by the airport where everyone would go in the summer and drink watermelons. Oh. Uh-huh. Kind of a biker bar. Talking to the wrong person. <laughs> were bikers, but they were in the Christian Motorcyclist Association. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Random oh. question right here: is, it, is everybody here in Oklahoma except for me, obviously? Or no, no. Great no. Okay. no, no. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I'm in So I got Omaha, Nebraska. Omaha. Okay, sweet. Well, well, I'm in Bellevue, where we have lower property taxes. And she shit your cop. But anyway. I mean, right? I'm in Oklahoma. I feel like we where can't we have... have we can't have any kind of political podcast without at least touching the cop situation last weekend. Like, Holy I'm God. sure we all have opinions about this. Jesus, fuck on a stick! They take the cake for worse cops. How dare you hide behind civilians after you create a shitty situation to begin with? Well, and fuck UPS. Fuck them with a goddamn railroad tie. Oh, right? for the GoFundMe? Yeah, yeah. Well, oh in, in their, their initial statement, right, where they're thanking oh, police, true. we thank the police officers for what? For fucking murder? Between right? that and, and the cops, you know, the, when the cops tweeted out, what did they say? They said no law enforcement officers were hurt in this accident. Oh, they don't even mention the rest of the fuck-ups. They just say, oh, yeah, yeah. we didn't, you know, oh. it's ridiculous. Congratulations, ridiculous. you didn't kill anybody on your team. And then, yeah, well, because they used people, civilians as human shields. And then that, uh, so there was another cop in Texas who got killed uh, serving like a domestic violence uh, uh, issue. Like he he went to check on a domestic violence situation, and instantly you could see it from the the thin blue line folks who are like, "Oh, it's so dangerous to be a cop." Look, this is what happens when the media drums up all this fake bullshit about how cops are killing people, or or. Or maybe this is what happens when cops are killing people. Well, and I mean, here's the other thing. I'm so sick of the fucking forced false dichotomy bullshit. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see cops killed, by the way. Both of these things are true. Being a police officer is a dangerous job. Yep. And cops all over the country are murdering innocent fucking people because they're on a goddamn ego trip. Just this week, we saw officers busted for running an illegal steroid ring because a cop with roid rage is what we all need, right? Oh my well, God. the worst part is you take you take the cops with the, with the roid rage and then literally all of their training, it's not de-escalation techniques, it's like fucking military style. Like I don't know if anybody, I'm gonna do a shameless plug, not, not my plug, but if anybody hasn't read Rise of the Warrior Cop by Radley Balco, you gotta pick that up. It's insane to see the training, uh, basically since the '90s, all of this crazy SWAT military-style tactic training. That's that's literally you've been getting. They've been given federal grants. All these piddly ass little small towns all across the country have been given these federal grants to do this insane training. It's it's ridiculous. Well, the is, it's not even military-style training. What the hell? That's I'm true. Here. Yeah, no, I mean, this, 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 this kind of would have violated the. I saw the meme somewhere that the whole deal down in Florida that would have violated the rules of engagement in Fallujah for crying out loud. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So the thing is, uh, when I was doing training in the military, it, we we were taught de-escalation techniques all day. What they did, we would have been court-martialed for. Hell yeah. It, yeah. Like, Someone could have been driving at us in a vehicle where we could see bombs in it. 
and we would not have been able to do what they did. Of course, and then you know there are the people who are like, well, that just means that we need to take the handcuffs off the military. No, it means <laughs> we need to respect human life a little bit more than we do. Right. Let's... <laughs> Dre's having Dre's having enough over there. <laughs> I'm having a moment. You know what got me though is when we posted about this. When we posted about this from our page, right? The bootlickers came out in full force, like. It, wow! Nothing I, but leather, <laughs> leather flavored vomit all over our page. It was I've insane. never banned someone for disagreeing with me, but there was one guy that just—I couldn't. I was in a bad place. I was hurting, and I was pissed off at like the bullshit. And this guy's like—I uh, don't even remember what he said. He was just making excuses for. for There's no excuse made for this, and yeah. I, I fully support your banning, even though I am so against banning. Again, ditto. Anyway. Hive mind on this one. Yeah. All right. So there, there's our, our rage about uh, shitty policing tactics. Um, we are here, brothers and sisters, to talk about... What are we here to talk about? What did you want to come on and talk about? Everything and everything. Yeah. I mean, Dre so, gave me a list. So but- here's one thing I want to talk about because mm-hmm. I... Chris, you and I have never had an opportunity yet to talk about this. Um, and I've meant to bring it up a bunch of times and I didn't. So let's talk about the beef with McAfee. <laughs> well, let me uh, let me clarify something first and foremost. It's not a beef with McAfee. John McAfee never did me wrong. I had nothing against John McAfee. <laughs> a little crazy. I'll give you that. And I have some stories and they've been written down and won't be revealed until uh, well after he has decided to depart this earth. But... Uh, <laughs> No, McAfee never did me wrong. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. I'm not a particularly litigious individual, but uh, looking back, the only thing I can say that I truly regret is that I really should have sued that piece of shit. Uh, you know, I, I not, and I'm not talking about McAfee. I'm talking about uh, the purported vice presidential candidate for that campaign. Um, came out. Say again. Never that mind. Was, it's not important. So that was it. Was Judd Weiss? Okay, I mean, let's just say it. Um, and there oh, was a lot of beef. Oh, it, really? It, it became no kind idea. of public. Well, all right. So I'll tell you one one reason I wanted to come on here. To be fair, this is kind of like uh, it's kind of like my festivus. This is the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're gonna hear about them. You know? Go for um, it. No. In all honesty, I've I've had opportunities to go on other podcasts. Haven't really it, haven't really taken them just because. You know, I, I want I, I like the uh, this somewhat unrestrained uh, atmosphere here. So I'll just I'll just tell it like it is. The Libertarian Party, the activists within the Libertarian Party, we have a huge issue. Too many times we tend to give power and credence to those who really shouldn't have any uh, any clout. Um, too often the con artists tend to rise. And those that are actually competent that actually get things done, uh, they get they get shitted on on a regular basis. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about plenty of others. But you know, this guy who McAfee's VP candidate, I, I try not to use his name because it uh, invokes such a visceral response. But anyway, um, this guy basically made up a shit ton of lies to cover up his complete disregard for anything that uh, would actually have worked to get McAfee the nomination. Um, 
did I mention the guy is a piece of shit degenerate? And I'm not talking about the degenerate that you and I all know and love. No, I'm talking about a guy who was arrested for fucking rape. Everybody forgets this about Judd Weiss, okay? He was arrested for fucking rape and pled guilty to a felony. Pled guilty or no contest. I don't remember exactly how he wheeled his way out of the, the full-on rape charge, but this guy was arrested for rape, okay? The guy is a narcissistic asshole. I got to tell you, I'll just go ahead and tell you the entire story of the McAfee campaign, okay? First of all, John contacts me and, you know, basically selects me to, to run his campaign. I rewrite his entire platform, you know, basically do a crash course in libertarianism, all right. And all of a sudden, from kind of a curious afterthought, guy is, I won't call him the front runner, but he was certainly in the mix in the beginning in January, February there, right? Um, basically, somewhere along that, along that timeline, John realized that he could parlay his reemergence onto the scene uh, into uh, material success because he lost all his, you know, he lost all his money in the in the crash. He was on the run, all this other stuff. Um, he figured out that he could come back onto the scene um, in working with a cryptocurrency company or not technically a cryptocurrency company. I don't remember exactly what I think MGT was the name of it. But basically, during the campaign, there came a point where John had absolutely no interest in actually campaigning, uh, going to conventions, talking to delegates, because he realized, you know, he had already accomplished his goal, which was to come back and, and be relevant and, you know, make some more money. I can't begrudge him that in the least, not at all. I mean, we should all be so lucky, right? So here's the deal. I knew Judd through his he had worked with the with the Johnson campaign here, maybe not worked with, but you know, he had fundraisers and all that good stuff. And I, I casually knew the guy, I didn't know him that well. Um, but the idea was to have a fundraiser at Judd's house, because you know, he's got this posh uh, little little place in Bel Air. In reality, the place is falling apart if you ever go in there, but that's a whole other story. But uh, anyway, so the idea was all right, we're gonna have a fundraiser. Sounds good to me. Somehow Judd got in his in his mind that he wanted to be the vice presidential candidate and convinced somehow convinced John to make him his VP candidate. And I'll never forget the call I got. John calls me and he's like, I think I just made a huge mistake. I'm like, all right, John, what'd you do? He's like, well, I, I said yes to Judd being my VP candidate. And I'm like, well, yeah, you kind of did, but we'll, we'll go with it. We'll see what happens. Right. Um, Get to Judd's place and have this fundraiser. And, and I'll tell you, this is not true for every single person who was in attendance in that fundraiser, obviously. But as a general rule, I have never encountered a group of more soulless, just vapid individuals in my life than I had. And, 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 that's, and this is coming from someone who's done you know, a little bit of Hollywood thing as well. So it's not just a Hollywood thing. It's literally... There's, this was a collection of very uh, extremely shallow people is the best way to put it. Um, but, you know, it was good to be seen and all that good stuff. So people came. Um, at this point, I'm, I'm like, as far as the campaign goes, John has completely checked out. He doesn't want it. He, he wants to go uh, do meetings in New York. He wants to. Uh, you know, not go to the conventions. He doesn't want to do all the delegate work. And, and meanwhile, I've, you know, I've done this before. I had a, a, a campaign plan all laid out. This is what we got to do. This is where 
this is the steps you have to take if you want to be the nominee. He had no interest in it whatsoever. At the same time, Judd comes in. Judd decides to do this, you know, video that's questionable uh, copyright uh, status. <laughs> Basically, does this all this video? It's it's you know it's slick, okay, but also it. I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, no, I liked it. But the problem is, you know, he said, "Oh, it'll be done," and then it took three weeks to actually get it done. But whatever. The point is. Instead of focusing on actually talking with delegates, instead of focusing on the things that have to be done in order to secure the libertarian nomination, Judd wanted to basically do all this pageantry. And the pageantry is important, but if it's only the pageantry and you're not doing any of the behind the scenes work to actually secure delegates, et cetera, et cetera, you're not gonna succeed in getting a libertarian party nomination. Um, also, this is all happening at the same time. John is checking the fuck out. And again, I got nothing against John. If I was in that same position, I probably would have done the same thing because he found a way knowing that Gary's probably going to end up getting the nomination or at least has a better chance than he does. You know, he's already transitioned out. So he's he just he's kind of hands off at this point. It gets to the point where Judd is such an insufferable pain in my ass. I can't fucking take it anymore. And I know that McAfee doesn't have a chance in hell because he doesn't give a shit anymore. It's fine. So I quietly I'm like, you know what? I'm going to step away here, quietly, mind you, okay? I didn't say a word until John decided to call Austin Peterson. And, you know, Austin shouts it from the rooftops that I've quit. And I'm, hey, what am I going to say? Okay, yeah, I'm no longer a <laughs> manager, but whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Gotta love AP. I, you know, I do, sadly. Sorry, still. I had yeah, but like, like your well, beef with Judd seems bigger than just difference of opinion over direction of campaign. I mean. Oh, we're not done yet. We're not done. Um, so at first it was. It was simply, okay, you want to do it this way. I, I had – we had a – it was a track. This train was on the track headed towards at least competing for the nomination. Suddenly it goes off onto a side rail, and then now it's derailed completely because there's just – none of the work is getting done that actually needs to get done, right? And – you know, what am I going to do? I can see it's not going where I wanted it to go. It's not going to have a chance. You know, John's checking out. Judd is taking over. Judd is, Judd is so aggressively uh, inserting himself into places that he knows absolutely nothing about. I step away. I'm like, whatever. I'm done. So, mind you, I had basically this entire campaign plan. I had all this infrastructure built. I had all these... Um, all these plans to utilize volunteers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm getting, I'm literally getting ready to turn them over to these guys anyway, right? And there was another person who came onto the scene. Judd hired another narcissistic energy vampire. Um, I think her last, Madison, Tiffany, is that? Anyway. Um, and I'm planning to give her. her. Narcissistic vampire, is that what you said? I said narcissistic energy vampire, absolutely. <laughs> Energy vampire. I'm gonna have to write that down. Okay, go on. Sorry. The first conversation I had with this with this woman, it was 45 minutes of fucking name dropping. It was sickening. All right. Anyway, so, but even still, I'm like, you know what? I got nothing against John. I, I you know, it worked or it didn't work. No biggie. Just getting ready to turn everything over. I literally was 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 writing an email to Tiffany with all this stuff, 
And I look, and she she enjoyed our trashing me all over the uh, the uh, internet, all over Facebook, saying, "Oh, I've, I'm completely incompetent. I have a, 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 just lie after lie about the state of the campaign." And I'm like, "All right, well, fuck you. I'm not going to give this shit to you. Are you going to be kidding me at this point, right?" So I let it lie for a while. I actually, as I recall, I went to it was right before the season started. I, I went to Lake George and just relaxed for a few days. Um, I had a previous relationship with Gary Johnson and Gary's campaign and Gary, I mean, pre from 2012, because I worked on the 2012 campaign. Mm -hmm. And um, I was asked to come on to Gary Johnson's campaign for the tail end of May and, and the convention. And, uh, and, and I did. And it was great. And we succeeded in getting the nomination and the nomination for the uh, preferred VP candidate, although in retrospect, not so proud of that one, uh, but you know. Now I remember some of the buzz at the time was that there was a belief among some <clears throat> that that was kind of your plan, that your plan all along, because you had prior connection with Johnson, was to infiltrate the McAfee campaign and gain access to data and campaign plan and all of that good stuff, and then jump to Johnson. Um, well, so here's the thing. Campaign data, campaign plan, these did not exist until I came on board. I built everything from scratch, number one. I feel like you're dodging the question. I'm, I'm sorry. What I do you mean? Like, I mean Aaron that, said, was that my plan? Fuck no, it was not my plan. <laughs> my plan, okay. John, yeah, my plan was to a nomination up until the point where John didn't give a shit about giving a nomination. I was, I was hired on board to do a job. If, if the person I'm working for suddenly has no interest in accomplishing the goal that I've been hired on to, it doesn't matter whether, whether it's politics or private, hell, even nonprofits, you know, you gotta, you gotta go with that point. Right. So no, no. Totally fine. I just, I, I, I like to deal in straight answers on this show. I fucking am so sick of watching interviews where people dodge questions and the interviewer allows them to. <laughs> No, no yeah, I mean, my plan. Fuck no, that wasn't my plan. I mean, but you I really remember, I really was planning on sitting the 16 campaign out until John came and met me. I was living in the, I was in my hometown of Winston Salem, North Carolina, and he came down and met me and just went from there. But yeah, no, I mean, I mean, like you knew that was the buzz at the time. You knew that's what was was yeah. kind of, and and part of it is part, you know, part of it's part for the course. I know people are, you know, rumors and and you know. Flame wars and rumors of flame wars is always going to happen uh, in a campaign. That but is I mean, like, so at the time that you entered and you decided to work on the McAfee campaign, McAfee was your chosen candidate then. Yeah. Um, even course. knowing that you had a previous relationship with, with Gary and knowing that Gary was oh, going to run again. I'll tell you that I'm, uh, I'll talk about specifically the 2012 campaign because um, I'm under no legal obligations to that campaign. There was just some things I, I, I wasn't really a fan of. Really, uh, I thought it was Gary, mind you. I love, I love the guy. He's, I, it, all the respect in the world for him. Um, but there were some things that went on in, tw in the 2012 campaign I wasn't too, you know, too, uh, too happy with. And in, in I mean, and you know that your NDA on the, on the 2016 campaign expired at the close of that campaign, right? I'm telling you that because I ran it by my lawyer to make sure. Um, I, I, to be fair, I've had different, differing legal yeah. like that. <laughs> So, but because the, it's, it's the way that it was worded. I, I will give you this. I will give you this though. 
having experienced some things on the 2012 campaign, once the convention was over and I was asked, what do I want to do with the campaign? I specifically wanted to find something that would help the party first and foremost. I wanted to find something with a tangible goal and the and be able to have the resources, be given the resources to achieve that goal. That's why I chose to do ballot access. And we did in fact get on the ballot in all 50 states, thanks to countless man hours and 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 finance. I mean, we need to be clear about that though, because I think sometimes when we say that, especially outsiders or or current old party supporters, they look at that very critically because Yes, our candidate was on the ballot in all 50 states, but the Libertarian Party was not on the ballot in all 50 states. And in many of those states, our candidate was on the ballot as an independent. So well, just it's true. Now, to be fair, ballot access is ballot access right. Now, I'm going to I'm going to I always like to jump into the example of Tennessee is a perfect example. All right. You put a presidential candidate on the ballot in Tennessee with 250 signatures. You right. put a party on the ballot in Tennessee with something like 30,000 laws signatures okay the cost benefit analysis at that point gets insane sure sure no i've got a whole presentation i do on ballot access hazing because that's what it is that's the state's hazing <laughs> exactly what it is yeah but i will say is the first quote independent and third party candidate who was on about in all 50 states in the world yeah i yeah and, and I just I like us to be clear because I hear a lot of times from old party, especially old party voters in states where Johnson was on the ballot as an independent bullshit. The Libertarian Party had ballot access in all 50 states. And you guys keep saying this. And that just tells me you're just as disingenuous as this old party that I'm trying to walk away from. So I, I, for clarity's sake, I want to be clear. I try to say the ticket was on the ballot in all 50 states. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely correct. And it and it's um. Quick shout out right quick to the Libertarian Party of Connecticut, who just had a conference uh, a, a, a hearing. They have a lawsuit with a really novel approach, uh, basically going hard at the entire um, the entire notion of petitioning in this day and age. Um, they had it. They just had a, a status committee or status hearing. I think it was uh, was it, it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. And the state didn't even bother to show up. So. They have no understanding, so it's going to be really interesting how that is. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we've got to combat these these laws any way we can, and, and the whole situation that's going on in court now. So I know. So you were you did some work for the Johnson campaign in 2012, and then McAfee and Johnson in 2016, and now we're getting ready to to come up on another election cycle, and there is buzz that potentially you may be doing some work with another campaign. So I am, I am, full disclosure, I am working with, with Lincoln Chafee right now. He is not a candidate at this time. He may become one. He may not. In truth, who knows at this point. Um, I sought him out long before there was any kind of compensation in, 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 the, uh, <laughs> in, in, the, in the question, just for the record. Um, this actually gets me to, to a point I want to mention here. Um, going back to um you know i guess we never really finished the whole there's more to that saga by the way if you want to get back to it with the mcafee and, and weiss deal but anyway um i think a lot of times people who are political professionals within the libertarian party get maligned and i think that there is you know this notion that somehow if you're working for a candidate and getting paid for that work it's somehow less worthy than people who are volunteering. And I think that that's frankly just bullshit. 
<laughs> it really is. Okay. Sure. Um, a lot of ways, obviously, people who volunteer and put their, their time and their sweat volunteers for no compensation, of course, you know, that's amazing. And that is the lifeblood of the Libertarian Party. But I, I don't understand the notion of just shitting on people just because they get paid and it's what they happen to do for a living. Well, and look, there are some things that volunteers, um, volunteers are, are volunteers. That's what they are. They're there uh, to do things that feed their soul, that make them feel happy and excited. But what you can't do is hold volunteers at the end of the gun, like, like you could proverbial gun, like you could even an employee. This is the deadline. If this isn't done, then there will be consequences. What consequences are you going to give a volunteer? There, there aren't any. Um, right. And we learn this at Roads to Tit. It's very, very hard to get people to do things in a specific amount of time if they are not being compensated. It's right. kind of like, hey, we really appreciate it if. Okay. I was sorry. I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. I mean, look. Um, yeah. Roads to Tit is, a, is an inside joke. We're talking about the old Roads to Freedom Foundation. I figured out what you were making, but uh, I, was just, I wanted to hear. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Look, there definitely is. Uh, yeah. If you get a volunteer who's willing to step up and fill an interim position, use that volunteer. If that volunteer does great, then compensate them and keep them. Um, it, it does. It, yeah. Just because somebody's being paid, that's not really an issue but when you just said to me you sought out lincoln chaffee and um that as dude it's given me flashbacks of a group of libertarians seeking out bill wells in 2016 because that is what happened you know it and i know it we know that's what happened and, and that's I'm, I'm i'm having flashbacks chris well i cannot begin to tell you the ways in which <laughs> is not anything like bill well um but yeah, but what about the ways in which he is? Like he's brand new to the party. Um, he's he's run as an independent, a Democrat, and and a Republican. Has it been all three? He was elected as a Republican senator. Um, he joined the Democratic Party uh, in 2016, I think it was. But remember, he was actually elected as an independent governor of Rhode Island. I mean, he was elected as an independent. Now, here's the deal. But I mean, so you go from an independent to a Republican to a Democrat, and now you're a Libertarian. And I mean, there may be many, many ways. And in speaking to him, I do think that you're being honest. There are many, many, many ways that Lincoln Chafee is not Bill Weld, um, and that he is just definitely far more liberty leaning than Bill Weld. I, I will say that in after having met with a gentleman in, in Miami and spoken to him there. Um, but there are also a lot of ways and a lot of places where there's similarities. So, oh, so you get the concern, right? Oh, absolutely. I understand the concern. Look, I mean, and and I don't actually like Bill Weld is a, is is a class act. He is. What he did to the Libertarian Party was not a class act. It is what it is. All right. I do not think that it was. I do not think the coming over and then immediately flipping. Uh, no, I don't think it's a good look. All right. Here's, here's, you know, I joke with, with, with Lincoln a little bit about this and he's like, well, you know, I never went back. But um, here's the thing. You've got a situation with someone like Bill Weld where there are, there are some, some activity. There, there are two positions that can be said to have always fluctuated somewhat with whatever crowd is being spoken to. With Lincoln Chafee, this is a guy who has been anti-war 
from day one. Okay, he voted against the Iraq war. He's come out strong over and over again against regime change wars, against our overseas entanglements. To me, that's my, that's that's what's the most important thing to me, first and foremost, is, is coming up or is, is having um, anybody within the Libertarian Party talking about ending the wars, ending not just the, the foreign wars, but ending the war on drugs, ending this, the, the senseless violence all the way around. That's something he's talked about for a long time. That's, I mean, but, okay. Okay, so I have questions. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. So, there was a post uh, a couple weeks ago uh, on a very a page that a lot of us go to, and it talked about Chaffee's voting record on some things that were pretty bad. So I saw some of that, and and some of that I got to call. Some can, of I, that I, call can I can I just can I go down a couple of them? Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. It really, really hit me hard because voting for the Patriot Act. So here's the thing. Uh, hold on, I'm not done. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> Actually, I'd like to go one at a time, if, if that's... Oh, okay. So, please answer. Uh, guys, I, I'm so sorry. I have to excuse myself for one second. I've had a couple beers. I'll be right back with you. Okay. You want to answer the, the Patriot Act thing then? So, yeah. Yeah, actually, I'll for that. Okay. So, well, real quick, um, look at where the Senate was at that time. And basically it was thrown in front of them and people were told in no uncertain terms, you will vote for this area for there will be consequences, electoral consequences. Now, right, does, that, but, does that excuse it? No, but let me tell you what has happened since then, since that vote, he has come out vehemently against warrantless surveillance. He has said unequivocally that he would pardon Edward Snowden uh, even in 2016, when he ran as a Democrat. Okay. I mean, yeah, but there were individuals in the Senate who voted against the Patriot Act. It wasn't a unanimous, a unanimous vote. So it wasn't, um, no, it wasn't unanimous. Look, I'm, I'm not going to say it was unanimous. Okay, but what I am going to say is that that those other individuals at that time had more courage than Lincoln Chaffee because that that's be what fair, I see when I look at it. To be fair, I think they might have had more information than he did because when he actually was was told when he actually went through and saw what was in it, talking about stuff like uh, you know, uh, mentioning the thing about uh, you know library records and all this library records and all this other stuff. Anyway, but the point is, um, when it comes to this, he has been absolutely clear that he does not support the current. Patriot Act uh, standards, the, the current standards of NSA warrantless wiretapping, uh, surveillance without the Fourth Amendment. He, he is absolutely uh, adamant about the Fourth Amendment rights that we have. I mean, so, yeah, he voted for it. So I what think, was his change? What changed oh, him? What do you think is, all right. So honest question. What year was that? 2002? Early 2002? Where were you politically in 2002? I, know I, 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 I was an anarchist in 2002. Okay, well, I mean, all I, I'm saying is that that truly that was a long time ago. And when you have a record of 30 years of being an elected official, you're gonna have some, some you're gonna have some hits and you're gonna have some strikes. Okay, what I would point to is what he has talked about uh, lately, and not just lately, but for many years now, and where his position is on the matter uh, when asked about it now, and you know, 
am I going to sit here and defend every single vote that the man's ever taken? No. And I bet you, I doubt if he was sitting here, he'd do that either. The point is, he has been very consistent since then, saying that our Fourth Amendment right uh, against illegal search and seizure, unreasonable search and seizure. So. so we're still on this. Okay. No, we're about to step away from it. <laughs> so I was just going to say, so we're ready to move on to the next one? Yeah. Okay, next one is voted for reinstating the top federal income tax rate of 39.6%. Okay, that one's fucking easy, all right? You know what his argument was? We can't cut taxes if we don't cut spending. He was arguing for cutting spending, okay? So that one, the, the, you know, the, the, that one's pretty goddamn consistent in my opinion right there, okay? The reason he voted against it was because there was no spending cuts involved. Clear, okay? Okay. I would, I would have voted the same way. If I taking, I mean, you know, taking uh, again, it was it was a tax cut benefiting the rich, doing nothing for uh, the people that honestly really need it. Okay, now if it was eliminating all taxes, it'd be a different, would be a different situation. I mean, but, my taxes went down, and I'm poor. I we should all be so lucky. Don't get me wrong, but what I'm saying is. The reason he voted against that was simple. It, there wasn't spending cuts to offset the tax, the tax, uh, the, the tax cut. Okay. Supporting a okay. Uh, receiving a D grade from the Cato Institute in 2012. Now that one, I'll be honest with you, haven't done a lot of research on. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, so this one is. If it was in the Cato, then they gave him a D. But why they gave him a D? Not sure. So that is kind of, that's a while ago and I, I can kind of, whatever, I'm milquetoast on that. But the next one, uh, if he was, you know, cause he has been a registered Republican and now he wants to be a libertarian. There's no waning on this subject with us supporting banning assault weapons and high capacity magazines. Yeah. And, uh, so for the record, I told him that shit ain't going to fly. And not only will that shit not fly in the Libertarian Party, that shit's not going to fly if I'm going to be part of this situation. Well, I would just think, though, so, that... What I want you to know... Go go ahead, Aaron, sorry. If, if you're considering joining the Libertarian Party, I would I would think you, in, in, you're a supporter of regulations like this. I would think that would be a big red flag to you well, about the Libertarian Party. Okay. Again, the question is, when was this, when was this question posed? What I will tell you, and, I, and I'm going to, I'm going to give you a direct quote from him just a few days, probably like a week ago. Um, he said that he has become more and more adamant about the freedoms that the Bill of Rights protects, and that includes the Second Amendment. He believes in the words of the Second Amendment. That I can absolutely assure you. And whether that's a that's an evolved position, it may be, but I can tell you that he has been, he has seen firsthand the abuses of government against our Bill of Rights. And he is willing to defend every word of the Constitution, including the Second Amendment. And I say again, including the Second Amendment. That is a direct fucking quote. Okay? Okay, so... Um, first off, I just tagged myself in. Here we go. Uh, I want to. I want to say I absolutely respect you kind of coming into the lion's den here mm -hmm. because this is a definitely a radical podcast, and there's no way that you don't know that we're all working for other campaigns right now. I, I'm I'm well aware, but here's okay. So here's the thing. Um, 
you know, I know I haven't met the other two. Aaron, I fucking love you. You know I fucking love you. Right? I don't care if we, if we don't agree on shit. Whatever. Um, no, but we're always cool we agree, about it. We agree more than we disagree, honestly. Sure. You know, that reminds me. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna throw this out here. When I first came to the Libertarian Party, and this is relevant for a lot of our discussions here. When I first came to the Libertarian Party, I came as a Democrat working for Mike Gravel, senator from Alaska. Oh, gosh. A whim that he was going to become a Libertarian. I didn't know what the fuck a Libertarian was. Okay? Mike. Oh, I wow. was guided by some wonderful people, many of whom were on the radical side of things. And, and I always remember someone who I, 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 I really miss his presence. I don't know if you guys knew Lee Wright's. Oh, I am not at war. I'm not at war. And and Lee Lee and I rarely agreed on things. <laughs> okay. Like when we did, I mean we did, don't don't get me wrong, especially when it comes to the anti war stuff. But there were there were plenty of times we were on the opposite ends of things. But you know what? He was good and decent to me and helped me along my libertarian journey. And and some of the things some of the conversations we had, even way back then in two thousand eight have brought me to where I am with my um, rather radical libertarianism. I, I know that might shock and amaze some of you guys, especially given some of the, you know, some of the work that I've done, but, you know, I, I tend to tend to be more on the radical side of things. I just, I, I make a very big distinction between my political philosophy and my politics. My political philosophy is what would I like to see happen in a perfect world if I had a magic wand with a benevolent dictator, okay? The well, although technically not dictator, but you know that's right. <laughs> but my politic, my politics are: what can I get accomplished right now during my lifetime? What can I see happen right the fuck now? Okay. So the reason I mention all this is because I would have never would have never known about the Libertarian Party. I would have never come to a convention in Denver. I would have never walked out with a stack of books. To the point where I had to buy another bag to get on the fucking airplane uh, from the laissez-faire bookstore uh, vendor at the at the convention. Didn't even have enough money to pay for all the books. Had to be like, hey, can I take this now? I'll send you a credit card as soon as I, you know, as soon as I get back home. And they, of course, they, you know, I would have never had this opportunity if it wasn't for a Democrat who was anti-war switching parties. Okay. Now, here's the thing with our presidential candidates. Our presidential candidates, they have to be people that allow us as a libertarian party, as, as people who, who uh, believe so strong in libertarian ideals, they have to allow us to reach people that we would never otherwise reach. That's why, although I agree with just about everything Kim, Kim Roth says, I agree with just about everything Jacob Hornberger says, Maybe not everything on Hornberger, but you know. But the point is, the point is here, and, and I promise I'll uh, just let me let me finish this and I'll let you go here. I, I just I you know, it's not about what we agree. It's about who gives us the biggest potential to bring in people outside. Of <laughs> See, but I think you're wrong about that reasoning. And as soon as Drake takes her turn, I'm going to tell you why. Okay. And I've been doing. I've been around longer than you. I've seen <laughs> yeah. more great that you know he can reach other people but we have to remember 
it goes back to like the whole Bill Well thing and everybody else who jumps on board and wants to go for the biggest, baddest position. You can't do that. You have to put your time in. Just like at any other company, you've got to start on the mailroom. You've got to put your time in. Regardless of if you started a middle management or upper management, you have to be there for a little while before you can become the president of that company. Look, even if you're going to be the CEO, if Dre's going to come into my company, my CEO has died and I'm going to hire Dre to take that job over. If she wants to be successful in that job, she's going to come in and lay low for two or three months, maybe even six months. She's going to observe the culture. She's going to observe and evaluate the managers around her and try and come up with a working style and a management style that is going to be inspiring and not divisive. She's and not going to jump in the first day and give orders. So, and I'm going to assimilate. Okay. And that takes a little bit of while. That takes so, a while to assimilate. Let, let me, let me just, let me yeah, just tell you, one let me the story of how this actually. I'm sorry, Christopher. I have one other thing that's been bugging me. What is your flag? What's the my flag? With the red thing in the middle. Behind oh, you? Uh, New Mexico, New Mexico. Oh, okay. State flag. So yeah. look, here's, here's the thing. Of land out there. So yeah, I'm in. Here's I'm the in thing, Chris. Like I get it, and I get where you're going, right? We want somebody that is marketable to the old party masses, but here's the problem with that: we don't want the old party masses. The old party masses didn't win an election last cycle. Fucking Nota won an election last, last cycle. What we want are the people who are sick of the old party masses who are woke enough to embrace libertarianism and we aren't going to get them by marketing to them the same way the old party markets to their masses. We're just not. So, Milk toast doesn't work. We learned that in 2012. We learned it in 2016. We learned it with Coke. We've been learning that milk toast doesn't work pretty much since Hospers with a couple of exceptions, Harry Brown, Dave Berglund. Um, I mean, milk toast doesn't work. Milk toast when we're milk toast and we put up this candidate that speaks to old party voters, the old party Republicans, you want to know what they see? They see Republicans who want to get high. You want to know what Democrats see? Stoners who don't want to pay taxes. So I, I got to, you know, I know this is the point where we are just going to vehemently disagree with one another. And, and I mean, doing it your way has failed us for 71 years. Well, I've never seen my way. I just want to put that out there. Well, that that is that way. For 71 years, we've tried to pull voters from the old parties by marketing to old party voters the same way the old parties do. And for 71 years, we have failed. Well, Clearly, that doesn't work. What I would say is that I actually agree with you when it comes to how you market. Okay? What I'm saying, though is that if you start from a position of a candidate who has a record of electoral achievement, you have a lot more to work with in terms of massaging and, and, and creating a message that isn't milk toast. okay? Except that the voters that have walked away have walked away because they're sick of people with electoral uh, backgrounds. Well, they're sick of people with that kind of success. things they like. People like absolute outsiders or insiders that are willing to tell the rest of the insiders about themselves. Okay. Big deal here. All right. So again, I understand this is probably the moment where we're not going to, we're not going to be able to come to an agreement, but what I will say is the current crop of POTUS candidates, there's a lot to like there. 
within our movement. Absolutely. There's nothing that would appeal to anybody outside of our movement. Not only that, the the likelihood of those individuals getting any kind of uh, media, any kind of, it's not even just media, just any kind of attention whatsoever without some sort of resume behind them, it's just not, it's not going to happen. And, and I know, you know, it's frustrating to hear that, but it's part of that is just the, is the reality. But we learned with Gary Johnson that even having that resume behind you doesn't get you those things. Exactly. Because it didn't. It's heartening to hear from uh, somebody who is trying to work on an LP candidate want to be presidential candidate campaign. Because if you don't think that we have a chance, if we don't have somebody who is, you know, in a suit and they never step outside the bounds of what other people who are having RD after their name think is normal, we're not them and we don't want to be them. And I mean, really, if that's the theory and you believe in this this plan, why reach out to Lincoln Chaffee? <laughs> why not do it the smart way and reach out to Kanye West or Dwayne Johnson? Well, who says I haven't tried to reach out to Dwayne Johnson? I mean, okay, let me, let me just, I, I really, I know Gillette, Drew about. Carey, Raven Simone. If you work the Johnson campaign, you have those numbers because I do. <sighs> Cody Brown from Sister Wives. I mean, if that is the, if that is the marketing plan, why <laughs> so, not create somebody who is more marketable? I think that the American people at large are going to be looking again for someone with a little bit of credibility when it comes to governance, but at the same time, someone who's willing to tell people about themselves. You I realize can tell that you right Trump's now, our president, right? I do. Okay. And like, clearly, that's not what they were looking for. I mean, for every swing of the pendulum, <laughs> the pendulum swings, okay, <laughs> swings right back. <laughs> what? Clinton, no, <laughs> Trump didn't win. Hillary lost. Okay. Okay. True. Agreed. But anyway, but here, here's, here's the thing that I, I really, there's a story I want to tell in the short time that we have left. Okay. And that is the story of how I started working with Chafee, how Chafee became a libertarian. You know how he became a libertarian? He moved to Wyoming. He had to register to vote. And he was faced with a bit of a conundrum, saw that the Libertarian Party was a ballot qualified official political party in, in Wyoming, which it is not in, in Rhode Island, unfortunately. Looked up the statement of principles and literally went down and said, oh shit, check, 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 check. Registered as a Libertarian. It was not until months and months later when he happened to be eating lunch with his brother-in-law, or his brother rather, that a Boston Globe reporter came up and sat down and started chatting with him, okay? And asked him the question, well, what did you register as? And he's like, oh, I registered as a libertarian. Boom, there's a Boston Globe article, okay? That was months after he registered. It was only then that people began to reach out to him, okay? This man did not become a libertarian with the expressed goal of becoming his presidential candidate, okay? That's not how that, that's not how this, has, has transpired. And again, I would remind you, if he's not a candidate, he may not be. He may be, he may not. Who knows at this point? But what I will say is that it's not like there was some master plan. Sometimes things just progress in a way 
where you have to take advantage of moments that exist in time. Also goes back to what we were talking about way back when with the whole saga. No, again, Aaron, just to reiterate, no, it was not my plan from day one to infiltrate, build the McAfee campaign from absolutely nothing and then leave it to go to the Johnson campaign. Well, look, I, I you, you know I had to ask that question because that oh, was the buzz. It's a, no, it's a fair question. No, I, I believe me. I, I, I actually, I enjoy being able to, to talk about it because as I said, um, I guess we never got to the full story, but basically everything Judd said was a complete and total fucking lie about me. And it is what it is, you know, but. Zach, we've been drowning you out all night. I'm so sorry. Well, I mean, we actually have to wrap now. So uh, is there anything you want to plug on our, on our way out? Um, I, you know, honestly, I would just like to say that no matter where things go in the next uh, few months, no matter where we end up at the convention, let's just remember um, a really important thing that the enemy is not fellow libertarians. We all want to see a world set free in our lifetime. As corny as it is, it's the fucking truth, is it not? Mm -hmm. So I would just like to say once again, it has been a pleasure. Thank you all very much for indulging me this evening. All right. Uh, we don't have a lot of guests lined up coming up. I think we're gonna we're gonna step back from a lot of the more serious guests for a bit because we've been really serious the last couple months. Right. And that's been good, but we're also we need to get back to our roots and and talk about you know hardcore anal fisting and and drunken escapades. So we're gonna be doing. <laughs> bondage. Uh, we need a bondage night. We're gonna be. Um, at least kind of through December and January, we're going to be chilling out, being a little more festive and and just being cool. So uh, tune in. We have a couple Thursday episodes coming up, too. Um, that'll be fun. We have comedians coming on. Uh, someone just sent me a rapper that's an anarchist that I want to get on. Uh, so we're going to be get, doing some cool stuff like that. Uh, I'm in talks with a couple people to start a second show on our network. So look out for that. Uh, thank you, Chris, for coming on. Uh, you were wonderful. Everyone else, we'll see you uh, next week. Good night. Cheers.